Welcome to Brands in Action, the podcast that asks the questions every brand should be asking. Today, we welcome Kyle Billings, the National Marketing Manager of Liar Spirits. Kyle is the National Marketing Manager for Liar Spirits Company, which offers a premium range of 13 non-alcoholic spirits. He's been in the wine and spirits industry for more than a dozen years, working previously for Moet Hennessy and Tau Group. He's a regular contributor for national trade magazines, the Somme Journal and the Tasting Panel Magazine. And in 2018, passed the sommelier exam administered by the Court of Master Sommeliers. His education includes an MBA from Pepperdine's Business School and a journalism degree from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Kyle's professional passion is the power of hospitality in all industries. On a personal note, Kyle would like to add, go Heels. Hey, Kyle, welcome to the show. So good to have you. I'm a huge fan of, uh, of what you guys are doing and the brand you're building. Cool. Yeah, I know you're fairly new to this market. Love to hear a little bit about what you guys are up to. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to talk about it. You know, you mentioned my wine background previously, and people have asked me, why did you transition from a pretty significant wine career to non-alcoholic spirits? It seems a little discordant. And the answer is, I think, you know, what sold me was the power of hospitality. Liars really accommodates this huge groundswell of demand where people want this alternative to alcohol that they just never had. They wanted a grown-up beverage, uh, something that they could enjoy without feeling weird, strange, or bad about, or being left out of the party, whether that's at the end of the night or at the bar or hosting an event. So that really spoke to me. Liars is a range of premium non-alcoholic spirits, but what's important is that, yes, it's non-alcoholic, but also the range is really important. And for us, you know, to communicate that, you can make almost any drink you've ever wanted or, or that you prefer with the range that Liars offers. And so there's this frictionless term often used uh, for startup, this kind of seamless transition for people where they know that they can still drink the same way, just the way that they're able to do it. So it's just a way to give people that option that they've been craving for a long time. I can tell you from personal experience as a, a home bartender and an enthusiast, I actually don't drink as much as it looks like I do on Instagram. And uh, <laughs> I drink mocktails, you know, what are referred to as mocktails during the week. And you guys are such a go-to for me. You can make anything with your products. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. And one of the things that I have really enjoyed about Liar Spirits is that you are making one-to-one -one substitutes in a way that I can actually recreate really great cocktails. Whereas some of your competition, they're making really interesting distilled spirits, but they're just interesting ingredients. They don't seem to be trying to play in the cocktail category in a way that is creating an actual substitute for a cocktail. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I think you hit the bullseye, David. It's a really good point and something that we try to evangelize to people that it's the same drink. If you're having a Negroni, if you're having a daiquiri, if you're having an old-fashioned we have options for you where we make it with the same exact recipe out of the classic cocktail books, just with our spirits to give you a non-alcoholic version of it. I think it's also worth mentioning that the drink strategy is really key for us. And we really want to just push, these are the drinks you can have and they're drinks that people recognize, but also the fact that we're not necessarily trying to communicate just to people that don't drink. I think there's occasion right. for a lot of people, whether it's, you know, you have a ritual each night where you kind of demarcate your workday and when you can relax. And that usually comes with a cold beverage, whether that's a cold beer or, you know, a cocktail or a glass of wine. And we don't want to preclude that from people. We want people to have the choice. That's really what the Liars brand is about, to give them the choice to drink how they want to drink. 
So for myself, with a wine background, I'll never stop drinking wine, I don't think. But there's times when I want to scale back. And some people want to scale back for a day, some for a month, for dry January, just some forever. And, and they just really haven't had a choice to continue their social lives and drink while at the same time having a really tasty adult beverage. I also think it's worth pointing out that while we really want people to have that option, that alcohol alternative, we also really want them to enjoy it. So that's the second part of it. It's kind of the, the flip side to that coin, if you will, where we want people to, when they drink it, it's just not a novel idea where you have a non-alcoholic spirit. Isn't that cute? We want people to go, wow, I can't believe they were able to create something so delicious. This is exactly what a daiquiri tastes like. I've been in restaurants where when I meet with, the, say, the beverage manager or director, and they go, okay, uh, I guess we'll try it. And then they do, and their face lights up. They can't believe this quote-unquote magic trick, and they're blown away. Once people get it in their minds that this is here, it's real, then they go, wow, there's so much functionality here. People will pay a premium to have a really nice cocktail that tastes great. And that also works out for both parties for, you know, another revenue stream for venues, but also an extension of hospitality where people go, this is great. I'm the designated driver. I can't wait to enjoy a drink with my friends and not feel kind of left out. I'd love to know how that plays into your distribution strategy. And particularly one of the things that I think is a huge opportunity for you guys, and I'm, I'm sure you're all over this. It's a great way to reduce alcohol as well and not just replace alcohol because yes, like if I make a gin and tonic for friends, mm. I use liars. They don't know I didn't put alcohol in it. Right. They don't know. It's so good and so clean. And so it feels like a gin and tonic. You don't know. Sure. You don't know until you don't get buzzed, right? Like it's two drinks <laughs> in, you go, wait, what's in this? You know? And I've kind of blown some people away with that. But what I would also say is it's fantastic when you say like, I want to replace my triple sec with your triple sec, with your orange mm. sec. I can then make a cocktail that has, now I've just reduced a quarter of the alcohol and still tastes fantastic. It's still great. Right. You guys are pretty new in the States, even though I know you've been around before down under, but how has COVID affected where you came in? You know, it's Mike Tyson's famous for saying like everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And we've, we've all had to deal with COVID to, you know, this year. How has that affected what you guys have been up to and your launch plans and things like that? That's probably one of my favorite quotes of all time, David, honestly. Yeah, you're 100% right. We're new full stop. So we launched 2019 in Australia and the UK, and then we launched also 2019, but just at the tail end of it in the United States in 2019. So we're still kind of building the organization, building awareness. For us, from the marketing side and from just a brand side, the key has been and remains to this day, driving awareness and driving trial and then education subsequent to that. That hasn't changed. What has changed is the medium with which we do that. So right. to give you a little bit of the inside baseball, we had three channel strategies. That was on-prem, off-prem, those being venues and then retailers. And then the third one, and I would say probably the least prioritized at the time, was e-commerce. But that completely changed. Yeah. And we were yeah. lucky because structurally, we created an infrastructure, an e-commerce online website, which is phenomenal, right before COVID really went and shut everything down. The only thing that's changed, I mean, the messaging is the same, how we want to get people to try it, whether that's sampling or different ways, nothing's changed except the medium with which we sell. And we've been lucky that we've done really strong numbers on our e-commerce platform, which is just a testament to how many people are really interested in this brand in this category. 
it's pretty amazing. And I, I can tell you as somebody who's very aware of how media algorithms work and programmatic media, I'm in the category. And so I see the work all the time, which is one of the reasons I love the brand. I think you guys do such a great job of bringing personality and a whiff of daring do and all this really fun way that you speak. And I'd love to get into some of that sort of geeky brand stuff that we love as the creators of brands, because I think you have done a fundamentally astounding job. I mean, it's really, really great to see what you've done. And I'd love to start with the origin story. You know, every brand has an origin story. Tell me where, where Liars came from and, and why it exists. Yeah, happy to. And yeah, it's true. If you look at our bottles, <laughs> there's a lot of Australian slang, which there's a lot of uh, translations needed even between <laughs> the team. But uh, yeah, our origin story is pretty simple. It was uh, recognizing a need that our co-founder, Mark Livings, and our CEO, he had a professional life and a social life. And those things often come together. When you live in the professional world, you'll be expected to go out and drink on a consistent basis. And, you know, that's kind of par for the course. So he wanted to keep up with one, his professional life, but couldn't necessarily keep up with the social obligations, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and he recognized that if you walked up to a bartender and say, I want to scale back, I want a mocktail, the bartender shrugs his shoulders. He feels weird for saying it. Everybody kind of does the weird, you know, movie thing where the music stops and they all look at him. And so he wanted a better experience. And the best way for him, and I, and I think rightly so, was to create the same experience that you would normally get at the bar, just have it without alcohol. It seems so simple, but in practice, we were one of the first to do it. So the key was creating a range. And so from there, it kind of snowballed into creating a range of spirits that are beautifully designed in terms of packaging, but really more than anything, priority number one is to make sure that those spirits taste just like the spirits they pay homage to. There's a few spirits that we're, we're working on now that we haven't released yet because like I said previously, it's not just a novel idea. We really want them to taste good. We don't want just to put something out there and package it nicely and say, hey, we can make X drinks now. So every one of our spirits is really made with the highest integrity. We build it using a flavor architecture where we take all the ingredients that you would normally get, we build them together and we just don't have the alcohol. So that's a story that happened a couple years ago, and it's been kind of this slow build into a crescendo the last year or so. Yeah, so that brings me to a question of category strategy. From a chicken and egg standpoint, the Sober Curious movement thing has been happening mm -hmm. for a while. Did yep. you see that coming as well and fill that need, or do you feel like you're actually one of the companies driving that movement? How do you look at that movement? There's been a need for a long time, David. I think um, it's just there hasn't been something adequate enough to fulfill that. Non-alcoholic beer has been around right. forever, right? right? So that was one of my first beers when I was young, which I didn't realize until I looked at the bottle uh, and realized my uncle was clapping <laughs> me a little bit. Yeah, so it's been there forever. It's just a matter of having the idea, the ingenuity behind it to create something that people actually want to drink. So in terms of the Sober Curious movement, we certainly welcome you know those people under the umbrella. I think the idea behind that is not necessarily sobriety. It's yeah. more of kind of saying, how can I go through my social rituals and my personal rituals without necessarily feeling obligated to drink alcohol? Yeah, I think that's the genesis behind them. So we've worked with a person who wrote the book on Sober Curious, right. uh, Ruby Wellington, and others who have sober bars, and those are popping up with regularity around our country for sure and then throughout the world. So we're advocates for them, and we certainly welcome the people that are interested and want to see something unique and different into our fold. 
Well, it's interesting. I love the idea that this is for people to enjoy versus a deprivation strategy, because I don't think it is for what I'm going to use sober in the classical sense of sober of someone who doesn't drink alcohol ever because they had a problem with alcohol. Like, I don't think that's what this is for. And I think it actually is dangerous for those people in some ways, possibly because I do know people in my life who are sober, I'm using air quotes, that actually are like, no, 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 I don't want to try your gin and tonic that doesn't have alcohol. I'm going to have tea or a Coke or water or soda water or whatever. They don't want the imprint of that. And I don't know how big that is. Um, I don't know if you've looked at that phenomenon or not or how that plays into your strategy. Does it? When it comes to sobriety in general, our entire mantra is choice, right? So if you want to have even a low alcohol drink, we can offer that. Obviously not for the sober folks, but the idea is not to give them something where it's just strictly for people that that don't drink anymore. You know, if you do want to drink, great. If you don't, here's another glass for you. That's our entire philosophy. And that, you know, when people talk about target markets, it's really about target venues and target places. You know, how do we fit into that larger discussion and it's really about that transition for people where they can say, hey, I have a choice tonight. I don't have to be the Debbie Downer or somebody who can't drink or can't enjoy. Yeah. So that's really what the strategy is about and just offering choice for people, whether that's a full alcoholic drink, uh, low alcohol, or absolutely none. We offer that. That goes back to your point earlier about the recipes. It's really important if you're making a daiquiri or a Negroni or a martini that those are exactly the same. If you make yeah. a martini with our dry London spirit and then you add a little bit of dry vermouth, for a low alcohol cocktail, wonderful. We encourage that too. It's just a matter of giving you that option. That's wonderful. Do you have an articulation of your target or your set of targets? We haven't articulated it to a kind of in the classic marketing style yeah. of women 45 to 50, yeah. you know, affluent. We've recognized this is something interesting we've done. We've created these mixology classes online. For anybody that purchases right. buyers, they have the option of joining our mixology class. And that's really been kind of a boon for us to see who's buying liars. And the truth is, there's few common denominators outside of just interest in making cocktails and interest in drinking less. And so we have people of all generations, people of all backgrounds. And this is not unique to the United States. This is across the board. So for us, our target market is really drinking culture, but also people who have never had that opportunity before. We saw the numbers, and most big corporations do too, this is nothing new, that 25% of the U.S. population doesn't drink, and then 54% will want to scale back. So those are big numbers. And so with our mixology classes, which has been great, we get to meet these people firsthand and go, what's your story? Why aren't you drinking? And they're all over the board. So we certainly have a messaging tone of voice. We certainly have different aspects of our brand that we represent. But in terms of a target market, it's really kind of a target set of practices and behaviors for people that drink just wanted a choice. Yeah, I think what's so smart about what I see you guys doing is that you speak to mindset versus demographics. And I think I know there's demographics. I know all of those things are going on behind the scenes and those, there's some math there. But what we're seeing more and more with brands is actually speaking to a common mindset. It's as important or more important than those factors. And you guys do such a good job of that. It's fantastic. So let's geek out on some tone of voice and stuff. Like if anyone listening has spent any time reading your website and the things you put out, you have this really wonderful tone of voice. I'd love to know, talk about how you got to your tone of voice and and if you, again, can articulate it. I always love articulating the tone of voice in the tone of voice. So Uh, do you have an articulation for that? Yeah, sure. When it comes to who we are and how people receive us or introduce to us for the first time, 
it's really important the way we look and the way we sound. So the imagery and the words we use, we have, <laughs> again, inside baseball, a brand glossary of how we want to be perceived. If we were to condense it to its most granular, we would say uh, sophisticated but irreverent, right? So great Gatsby, maybe a little bit past, <laughs> a few yeah. drinks past, right? Yeah. So we incorporate what we call our social animals. And these are on all our bottles and they speak in a specific way. And that way is cheeky, it's fun, it's irreverent. Our language, even something like just saying libations, just saying rambunctious, instead of just cheers, we, we say a variety of things. So those are important for us to communicate that this is a premium product, but we're not here to be stodgy in a library with a lot of dust on it. We really want to be part of the vanguard of the way drinking should be. You can be whoever you want to be when you go out drinking. That's why it's important to us for the social animals. And so for us, bringing everybody under the umbrella is really important saying, hey, however you want to drink your drink, feel free. You're welcome here. So yeah. when it comes to tone of voice, it would be like if James Bond was a cartoon character, I yeah, think is the that. way that we express ourselves. Yeah. The notion of social animals, I think is very, very smart. I think you just described your target mindset. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but uh, I look at the voice and to me, I, you know, if I was going to put words on it, I would say it's cheeky chic. It's very cheeky, cheeky and well fun, done. but it's still very sophisticated. You know, you've, you guys thread a needle that's not easy to thread where it's funny, but it's sophisticated. It's just fun loving. And that, that's what I love about it. I think it's really wonderful. Awesome. It's a great set of language that you use. Talk about the iconography. So, you know, great brands start with, with, uh, with iconography as well. And I am a bit of a geek because I'm, I have everything you guys have made. It's one of the reasons I was so excited to talk to you. Your bottles come with a story. I don't know what the story is all the time, but I see it and I go, oh, I want to, I just sit and look at them. You know, you, you study, mm. talk about the iconography and how you got to these social animals and, and, you know, what was the journey to that? Well, a little inside tip between me, you and whoever's listening, there is a name for our liar bird. His name is Horatio. Where he got that name? Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to find out more by digging into the story. Yeah. So the liar bird, let's just start there. Yeah. It's not a reference to liars or anything. It's actually a flightless bird in Australia that mimics sounds. And when I say mimics, it's not just another bird. It's mimicking really almost anything you can hear. We've watched video of a camera aperture, a tree falling, just random sounds it can mimic perfectly because we want to mimic and pay homage to these classic spirits that everybody knows and loves. And so the social animals are kind of a reflection of where the spirit came from. So for example, you have the dry London spirit, you have this pigeon decked out with a top hat, a monocle, and this really nice bespoke, presumably Savile Row suit that he got. Dry London speaks for itself. Then you have the American bear with his cowboy hat and his gun shooting off. It's, you know, classic Americana. So we really wanted these spirits to kind of be an homage to the classic spirits themselves. And so that's what we use for all of our social animals, which are kind of the biggest part of our brand yeah. packaging and, and the way people are introduced to it. And it's nice to kind of look on and say, you know, they stand out and they go, oh, that's a beautiful, why is, you know, they're an Italian fox on that bottle? Why is there a cat? You know, why are these on there? And, and asking questions can be really engaging. The vernacular of this brand is three-dimensional. It's just there and it's everywhere. It's very savvily done and very inviting. And again, you know, when you think about a brand should be, a brand is a verb, a brand needs to exist. It's way more than its communications. This brand just is, and it, it's a platform from which to build a, a lot of really great stuff. If you had to name this as a Pinterest board, what would you call your look and feel? I don't know if, if it's the most original or unique name, but I think 
just the free spirit. It's really mm-hmm. harkens back to our choice, you know, and giving people that option where they can drink what they want to drink the way they want to drink it. Pretty simple, straightforward, no nonsense, but that's who we represent. And I think that's what people will take from, hopefully, if they enjoy liars, take from us is that you can be who you want to be. Yeah, it's beautifully said. When you put a creative brief out into the world to your agency, design partners, whoever it is, what, what, what's the brief? Do you have a, a pithy brief that you put out or do you, are they tactical briefs? How do you say your, your briefs into the world? When we create briefs with our agency uh, in Australia and then you know, some of our local ones, the tone of voice is, is similar to what we've discussed, right? I think if we were to kind of condense it, we'd say we want to create a world of social animals that invites inclusion, freedom, and choice. And those are the three things and do it through the prism of cocktails. And really cocktails is a proxy really to, to social atmosphere, right? So being out or being in more likely these days. And if you're entertaining at home with an audience of yourself or whether you're entertaining, you know, friends, that's really what we're all about. So how can we create that with our cocktails, with our social animals and do it in a way where people are having fun? I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, it's wonderful. What is a sophisticated product that is sold in? You're making a decision to buy this product. How have you, and and when you were able to go into bars and restaurants and on-premise, that was not as big an issue as it is right now. How are you dealing with creating trial for this? Because I want everyone to try it. And I'm a big evangelist of this brand. But how do you drive trial for what is not the easiest trialable product, given what's happening right now? Yeah, it's a great question. How do we sample? You know, we always use the term that has become cliche, liquid the lips. How do we get people to, to even and try it? And so our original strategy was, was using on-premise proxy ambassadors, where you could have this bartender who's an esteemed ambassador for the brand and say, hey, this is really good. Try it. Uh, and just give people that option. And then doing sampling and, and retailers and whatnot. Now it's just a matter of building awareness how do we do that? Integrated marketing, baby. <laughs> it's just how yeah. many different platforms can we be seen in the most cost-effective way, obviously. And then we're happy to kind of, for certain avenues, give people that choice to say, hey, we'll send you a bottle. And just really getting into the hands of people that other people trust. Even if uh, you have an interest and you want to talk about it, we're happy to provide that. So we're pretty generous when it comes to sampling, especially in the digital world. And then we've done our mixology classes and that's, yeah. you know, Primarily restricted to people that buy the product, but it just gives an education piece. And I think that's probably the biggest part of it is just educating primarily on the fact that we exist. Uh, And I don't mean we as a brand, but we as a category. And we've done a lot of promotions with other brands that are in the non-alcoholic category saying, look at all of us and these great products you have. Uh, There's a ton out there. So I I encourage people to do the research, but also uh, just educate them on, you know, how to drink us. Like, for example, some people might say, oh, this is take a textbook to do. No, it's the same recipes. You yeah. don't put as much water and that's about it. Make the yeah. same drink that you've always made. So education is a big part of that as well. And that'll really drive awareness and trial. I feel like I, I might be wrong about this, but I feel like you've resisted discounting. And I think that's very smart. But is that the case? Yeah, we've, yeah. we've had internal discussions on that. You know, if you look at um, probably your inbox, honestly, you'll see multiple email marketing requests, a 50% off flash sale, the whole thing, yeah. you get it free. And so we don't want to dilute the brand. We really right. want it to be a premium product, which it is. And it's taken years to create. That's a really strong point is that when it comes to discounting, we try not to, and we try to make sure that people recognize that this is a really great product and, and it's worth yeah. the value uh, when, you, when you purchase it. And I can attest that it, that it certainly is. 
Do you have any creative that you would like us to feature? Is there anything you've done that you just would love to share? For us, it's about our programming and what we're doing for the upcoming holidays. We've done some stuff online that I think people are worth checking out. That's part of the creative outreach as well. So the gift finder tool right now is really useful where you can see what potentially you'd want to drink or what your, your loved one or friend would like to drink too. I encourage people to check that out. That's easy to find on the website. The website itself is a great, you know, mouthpiece for who we are and and how we want to approach the world. And then obviously follow us on our social media platforms as always. One of the things that I did was um, I early on got on your site and I downloaded or screenshot some of your artwork and I used those as zoom backgrounds just because Whatever you do, they're, they're fantastic. And so I'd encourage everybody to go, go grab these Zoom backgrounds. It's wonderful artwork. It's very evocative. And I think it goes right into everything what we're talking about. So one of the last things I like to ask, it's sort of either apropos for you or weird, but I always say, if your brand was a cocktail, what would it be? You know, what's funny, David, is that uh, if I picked one cocktail, it would almost be um, disrespectful to the other ones that we can make. Yeah. Um, if you threw a dart at the board, it would work really well. I will say that the one that I like promoting most is the Negroni for mm-hmm. the reasons that we mentioned throughout this chat is that you have three different variants. They all require the same amount of liquid in them. And so with Lyres, you can make that with the Aperitif Rosso. You can make that with the Italian orange and you make it the, yeah. with the dry London spirit. And if you wanted to, you could have that in a fully alcoholic cocktail. You could have it in a low alcohol by switching out one of the variants or you could have it at none. And it's a classic cocktail that people know and recognize and love. Uh, We're going to participate heavily in Negroni Week. We're going to make it a Negroni Month next year. But yeah, that's something that I think is a really great uh, showcase for us of of what the potential for non-alcoholic cocktails can be. Wonderful. I cannot pimp you guys hard enough. And uh, (laughs) and I will continue on my uh, drinkstagram. But uh, I really appreciate your time today. It's been fantastic talking to you. Yeah, great chat with you. Thank you so much. I'll post some stuff on our blog of some of the work that you're doing. Awesome. Really appreciate it, David. Good chatting with you. Thank you. This has been another episode of Brands in Action. Many thanks to our guest, Kyle Billings. Today's show has been brought to you by Pony Source Brewing Company, who reminds you to drink unto others as you would have them drink unto you. Pony Source Brewing. Drink about it. Production help by Nathan Nichols, thanks to executive production by Alexa Tesoriero, and music by Medium Heat. All other help from your friendly neighborhood, Baldwin Ann.